Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Hearty Dice Friends podcast. You join me, Grant Howitt, and my best friend in the whole wide world, Christopher Taylor. Hello. Here on the red carpet for episode 50. We've got a lot of special guests tonight. We're really excited to share them with you. Uh, we've just, uh, we, we set up, we're here at the uh, Carnegie Hall, uh, which, which we managed to get for the night, which is impressive, seeing as we don't have many listeners. They but, had a you know, deal on. Yeah, they had a deal. Um, it, was, it, it, was, it was three for two. We've got Carnegie Hall. We're really excited. Um, I can see some of the guests arriving now. First up, we can see oh, it's uh, it's the inventor of dice who's coming. Oh, lovely, Professor Polyhedron himself. I'm sorry, Professor Polyhedron himself. Yes, Professor Polyhedron hovering slightly with the with the force of, of random. I'm so excited to meet him. I'm, I'm going to ask him, um, can we get odd numbered dice soon? Oh, odd numbered dice would be lovely. It would make things a lot easier, like rather than having to fill out a whole D10 table if you do like a D7 one. Yeah, so like a D1 I could roll. Mmm. That's a ball. But I want it to stop. Oh, well, that's... It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> an alternately numbered D7. Listen, let's talk to the professor about that. Uh, who, who else have we got in the crowd tonight? Uh, he seems to have brought with him a homunculus made of dice. Oh, he's, oh that's nice. Yeah, it's the actual true hearty dice friend. Yes, his wife... Sandra. Yeah, it's all meat and polyhedrons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, I believe Sandra's made from a mix of turkey and D8s. Yeah, just for rigidity. Mm, mm. That's, it, it, it's a good building dice. I will say the professor's done very well there. Very logical. We've also got the uh, the ghost of Gary Gygax, who's hovering in from, from, from off screen. Oh, excellent. Uh, he will yeah. be probably quite upset about some of the things we've said about D&D over the years. He's got, well, thankfully, he, he... I don't think he listens to the podcast. He's mainly just here for the free drinks. We've got ghost drinks. Ghost drinks and ghost, ghost canapes. Ghost canapes. What sort of ghost canapes do we have inside, Chris? <laughs> we have ghost devil eggs. <laughs> I was hoping for a pun, but okay. <laughs> there are puns on that? Um, spooketty. It's <laughs> not a canapé. It's we've got we've got spaghetti curled up around a fork, so you grab the fork and put it in your mouth and then throw away the fork. That's decadent, I love that. I once went I once went to an actual Nintendo event where I was served individual spoonfuls of soup. <laughs> they bought them round on a tray. That's weird. <laughs> it is weird. It wasn't what I wanted. Nobody wanted that. But they took it because they thought they had to. I wanted a sandwich. Oh, 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 in the back, sorry, um, I can't believe I can't believe we didn't see him earlier. Very tall, um, chapter master of the Ultramarines, it's Marnius Kalgar! Oh, big hands himself! Big hands, he's got, he's got, the, gaunt- he's got the gauntlets of Ultramar on. Ultramar? Ultramar? Oh, Ultramar! Ultramar, he's got the gauntlets of Ultramar on, he's, he's uh, looking good, he's looking very swish. Uh, he's had his hair done tonight as well, so he's looking especially fancy. Very nice, and, and behind him there I see our mm-hmm. lawyer. Oh, our lawyer, Tim! Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's useful that he's come to this, the 50th episode. That's really... I'm really glad that our lawyer, Tim, is here, because there's going to be quite a lot of lawsuits coming out tonight. Um, oh, he's... he's um, oh, See, he's holding hands with Kane from Vampire. <laughs> you know, the first vampire. Yeah. Well, that's, it's nice that they're, they're there together. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure whether they're a thing. I think they're more just dis- posing for the pictures. I don't know. I think, I think they've come on a couple's date with both Guy Fieri and Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sean Connery. Who's, actually, who's think, in a co- they're in a codependent relationship at the moment. It's very... I think... I think, I think well, uh, Sean, Sean, can we, uh, can we speak to you for a second, Sean? So I'm just going to have to pop out. Can you interview Sean Connery? Certainly. 
Sean, Sean, just a quick question before you before you head inside. Obviously, um, what yes, is it? Hello, Christopher. What is it about the Hearty Dice Friends that really floats your boat? Oh, I like all the con- the constant talk of cocks. <laughs> it's the cocks that really lure it's you. It's the cocks. I, uh, I I auditioned for Lord for Lord of the Rings. I was uh, supposed to be Gandalf. Really, I don't. I can't picture that. Well, that's not very nice of you to say. <laughs> no, but it is honest, and that's what we're about here. I uh, I auditioned for Gandalf and Shadowman, and uh, honestly, I just like the idea of those nice big orcs running around. I wanted to like pluck them from the earth and make them into my boys. <laughs> Your sweet, sexy orc boys. I've also been, I've, I've been very interested in role-playing games. I got into it Exalted uh, when I was uh, filming Doctor No in the 60s. It was a very early pre-release version. <laughs> what What was it about Exalted that drew you in, Sean Connery? Uh, it was the uh, it was the essence pools. <laughs> I also really liked the dice pool system. <laughs> Felt it was flexible. The uh, the stunting mechanic let the GM really re- reward the original play. Thank you, Sean. I, I won't keep any longer, but I would like to talk to Guy Fieri, if that's at all possible. Uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Guy! Hey, man, I've never heard Guy Fieri speak! I assume this is what he sounds like. So you're most famous for diners, drive-ins, and dives, but you've recently, yeah. you've re- recently released an RPG book, Dragons, Dungeons, Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. Tell us about that. That's right, brother. I really thought it'd be cool to bring the hip flavors of melted cheese and some spicy chili and some jalapeno motherfuckers to the essential sensation of Dungeons and Dragons. So, like, when you kill an orc, he doesn't have a healing potion. What's he got now? He's got some slamming mountain dew. Dew. Not Jew. Dew. I'm losing my accent. I'm back. Here we are. Excellent work. Can I go now? Yes, you can. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I thought I, I thought you did very well, that guy. Oh, thanks very much, Sean. Oh, oh actually, that's, so hi. Sorry, I'm, I'm 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 back. I'm back. Hello. Hello, yellow. You did miss quite the cracking interview there. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it later on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. To that. Um, um, oh wait. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I don't, I don't mean to alarm you. Just uh, just uh, coming up. We're just, we're just getting ready for the show. So the last few guests are filtering in. We've got a lion. An actual lion. Yeah, a whole lion is here. It doesn't seem to be with anyone. I'm not sure whether it's here for the show. Uh, you know what? Get it a seat, because I don't want to piss it off. Yeah, it's walking up the red carpet. So hello there. Hello, yes. And finally, um, I, don't to, oh, I don't mean to alarm you. Um, David Bowie is here. Deceased David Bowie? That's correct, yes. Deceased David Bowie has, has inhabited a robot suit. I can, I, from what I can tell, it's 70s David Bowie? 70s Mecha Bowie. Yeah, seventies Mecha Bowie. Um, again, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to pop back outside to um, to to, um, to. I've, I've got. Listen, the spaghetti canapé, the spaghetti canapés that Gary Gygax's ghost had. Yeah, they've um, they've they've gone necrotic. That's not for people, Grant. No, but it is for ghosts. So I'm going to have to try and get some more people canapés. Okay. So uh, can you have a word with uh, with 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 Bowie? Yes, yeah, certainly. And then and then we'll start the show. Seventies Mecha Bowie. Hello, Chris. <laughs> You're sounding very much like a modem today. <laughs> I had my throat replaced with modem parts. <laughs> what was it you wanted to ask me? <laughs> or maybe I should sing a little song? I think you should sing a little song while I compose myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've forgotten all the songs <laughs> I wrote. <laughs> so, 70s Mechaboe. 
Hello. It's nice to see you on Earth, um, because obviously you are more of a spaceman these days. I've returned to Earth for this 50th episode's extravaganza. It, it, was, it, was it specifically HDF that pulled you back to Earth? It was. There was an inexorable pull at my soul. Was this due to the... It bound me into this toaster. You're in a toaster. That I wouldn't have pictured that. It looked just like a sort of glittery spacesuit. But no, now now I look closer. It is it is a it is a four port Breville. It's a toaster on a go kart. So I just make it work. <laughs> you really do make it shine. Thank you. I'm going to have to go inside now because it's raining. <laughs> you will short circuit and kill everyone on the red carpet. Please get inside right now. Bye. I'm going over here now. Good. Oh man, I miss Bowie, I can't believe it. Yeah, you're just missing all the stars, my friend. Ah, jeez, well, let's let's start the show. Let's get out, let's get underway. Okay. We're just in the, uh, we're behind the uh, the curtains now, um, on uh, on stage. We've got these very heavy red velvet drapes. Uh, and we're just peeking out to see who's in the audience as it's filling up. I can see Leonardo, Di- Leonardo DiCaprio is here and he's bought his Oscar, which is nice. Yeah. He's, he's uh, put it in the seat next to him. Yeah, he's got hats on he it. hired out a second seat for it. That's, uh... I don't blame him, it took him long enough. Really, really, really milking it there. Yeah. So, uh, who, uh, uh, who are you? I'm just going to have a fag here. Who are you, um... Who can you see there behind the curtain, Christopher? It's, it's nice to see front row, both Brombo and Brimbo. Mm. Our own place. Who's Brimbo? Brimbo is a smaller Brombo. Ah, yes. Brimbo, further away. I'm, wor- I'm a little bit worried about, about Brumbo's hearty, booming laughs, whether that's going to disrupt the show. It is It is deafening, Dame Thora heard. <laughs> is she dead or not? I can't remember. Flip a coin. Okay. Tonight she is. Yeah. Alive? Yeah. Explains how she got here. Schrodinger's herd. Schrodinger's herd. <laughs> if you release a radioactive isotope inside Thora Herd, it's ever alone. <laughs> there is also walking the aisles tonight. The police. So is this is this the band or? Well, the, see, interestingly, the, the band recently got deputised. Oh, great! That's fantastic. So it's both, and I don't know whether they're here for us or the entirety of defunct rap group, the So Solid Crew. Is it a uh, a sting operation? It could be. It could be. They're known fans of ours, mm. so mm. they could be there for that. I'm, uh, I'm, I did actually uninvite So Solid Crew. Like, I sent them. I sent all of them. Uh, I believe there's. I think there's now. They've been multiplying. I think there's sixty of them now. Yep. Oh, minus um, the thirty-two in jail. Yes, minus thirty-two in jail. So that's still that's still twenty-eight. Uh, I actually sent them non-invites, so that's when that's, that's, that's oh. when you when when you get in touch and say please don't come to this thing. Here it is, be somewhere else. And I think they might just have read the bottom part. I think I think you misunderstood entirely. There, they can't read at all. Oh right, yeah. So what they saw was a picture of Carnegie Hall and flocked to it like a zombie. <laughs> They've been here ever since those were sent. Out. Yeah, it's, we couldn't shift them. Even during rehearsals, they just clapped inanely. Is that, is, is, is that everyone you, you can spy from behind the curtains? Everybody except for your actual dad. Oh, my actual dad's here? Yes, your actual dad. It's a shame that your dad couldn't come. No, he's busy. <laughs> he lives much closer. <laughs> he <Carnegie> does. Hall. 
I'm just really excited that we can smoke on stage. <laughs> I normally we can't smoke because we record this in our houses, but like in uh, in Carnegie Hall, they, they let us smoke on stage as, as long as it's part, part of the theatrical act, performance. You can smoke. Yeah, it's it is part of the act. It's really exciting. Yeah. Oh, I'm really glad that my dad's here. It's a shame my mum couldn't come, and also I'm not sure there is really interval playing. But we'll see how it goes. Well, he's here to support you. It's nice. Yeah, that's good of him. Okay, let's start the show. Let's. Welcome to Hearty Dice Friends, episode 50. We have, we've made it to episode 50, which I think is very much the stumbling block. The big 5-0. The big 5-0. I'd say that, well actually I'd say that most podcasts make it past 50, but maybe not all of them should have done. <laughs> wow. And we're here, we've been doing this for a year now, over a year. Like, yeah. I must say, like we missed the the anniversary of it entirely. <laughs> this is the anniversary. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Just yeah, sure. It's the it's the fiftieth it's the it's the fiftieth episode anniversary show, and we are here. And I hope I hope I hope you don't think that the uh, the special guests are going to ruin this, take up too much time. They're just here to watch. They're just here to listen, just like you. And we're going to have our same same blend of D and D advice, complaining about druids. And dick jokes as ever. <laughs> Keeping it clean. Keeping kinda. it clean. Yeah, well. So, Chris. Yes. Without any further ado, because this has been the most ado heavy episode yet. It's very please, much ado. Please drop a question on my waiting chin. Okay. Trotterworks asks What tabletop RPG has the best mechanics for romantic relationships between player characters? It's Monster Hearts. I can't think of that many that actually focus on relationships. Yeah. Besides um, Monster Hearts, that's, that's that's why Monster Hearts made it into my canon of games that um, that one has to read because it does it does it does relationships and also non romantic relationships, but just relationships really well uh, between player characters. It has this mechanic called strings, and you generate strings when when like when as as part of play. So let's say for example. Um, if, if 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 someone if someone tries to do something and then you roll to shut them down and you succeed, you can take a string on them because you sort of have some power over them. Mm-hmm. But also, if you turn someone on, you get a string on them, um, and it it lets you and like you can then spend those to boost your rolls and make them more effective. So it's kind of a good way of, of, of it, 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 it lets you hurt people later on. Like you very rarely roll for a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean there is there is another RPG that kind of does it. In, a, in an interesting way, which is Delta Green. Oh yeah, that's kind of fun. Talk about that. Delta Green's bonds are very interesting. So mm. you have bonds with people that make you feel safe, essentially. Mm. Um, and you can, when you fail a sanity check or something, you can project that onto a bond. Mm. So the bond goes down, and your relationship with that with that bond weakens. But you stay. Ticking. But you. But you stay. But you stay going. So it's about the degradation of relationships mm. rather than building romantic relationships. Which is a really, which is a really nice way of doing it. Yeah. And it also, and eventually, like you, you get one relationship which is Delta Green. Yes, and the idea is that over over an extended period of time, all of your other bonds go down, but the Delta Green bond goes up. Yeah. So that your your family becomes your cell, and that yeah. is everything to you. And that form of Essentially, romantic relationship, yeah, is really interesting. I will say as well, it's surprisingly like story gamey. Yeah, 
for Delta Green, like for for a game which runs off a basic role playing system, which is a percentile game mainly focused around making me miss with my shotgun attacks, from what I can remember, <laughs> uh, or not find things, they they've got a really nice system in there which just uses the the, the main mechanics to tell a story, which yeah. is about you know falling in love with Delta Green. <laughs> Delta, Delta Kit- Green is the, is my number one. I'd like to run it RPG. Yeah, would would you rather run it or play in it? Uh, I don't care as long as I'm in, as long as I'm interacting with Delta Green. I just I just want to play X Files, but with Cthulhu in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I understand. I've got a I problem. It's very well. That's, that's the least of your issues. <laughs> I think I think as well. Like, say romantic relationships between player characters are really hard to govern because there's there's some there's some squick there. I think either. Either you fancy the person that's uncomfortable, or you don't fancy the person that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Or if you're lucky, you manage to hit it off just right, where you get someone where you're entirely fine with with basically improvising a sexual relationship or romantic, or, you know, what have you. Um, it requires a great deal of intimacy, but also vulnerability, and yeah. that, and that could be quite difficult. Yeah, like for instance, I'll I'll happily break your character's arm. Wow. But having a romantic arm, relationship. What did my character's arm do to just, you? Bear with me. Thank you. I'd happily break a character's arm, mm-hmm. but having a romantic relationship is more difficult. Well, yes, certainly. I think I think like we come back to the idea that we've all had experience. Well, many of us have had experience of romantic um, relationships. And but unless, arms. unless we're Steven Seagal, we haven't broken a lot of arms in our time. No, he does snap a lot of necks. He didn't come to the gala tonight. I did invite him. <laughs> He's too busy being an actual sheriff. Hang on, wait, hang on. No, sorry. I'm g- oh. He's on the skylight. Oh, is he here for the so solid crew? He's <laughs> he's come to take them down. <laughs> the part is nobody's going to know who the so solid crew are anyway. <laughs> well, Stephen's the cattle show. Shit doesn't know who so solid crew are. He's just here for the bounty. Yeah. All, all he cares about is coin, not justice. Yeah. Uh, actually, he cares about both. In equal and, measure. And Russia? Yeah. Um, it's it's hugely uncomfortable. I think there's, I think that we miss out on a lot when we take those relationships out because um, having like familiar relationships and romantic relationships are the main reasons why we do things in the real world. There's those two things and money. <laughs> but if you're not doing something on account of money, you um, the fact that you have to do it because your family asked, or you have to do it because your partner is doing it. And there's and there's a certain amount of of like well you know what I don't want to cook all the time I don't want to clean the house all the time I don't want to have to go and do this etc cetera, etc cetera. but um, I w- with with this long term romantic relationship I formed a team yeah. and so I know what's best for the team and it's not too far off being um, uh, being a D and D party really less magic less actual magic yeah more romance magic yeah I'd like to see more. Um, I think as well, like there's, the, I mean, there's the romance trilogy of Emily Care Boss, which is a series of uh, three role-playing games written explicit, expressly about romance between player characters or between um, PCs and NPCs. But it's tricky. Like, I think honestly, I, I, I think, uh, I think from my experience, from from what I've seen, we're still getting there. Yeah, we haven't we haven't quite worked it out yet, and it's, like, it's a really we're still interesting avenue for for RPGs to sort of push into. Hmm. 
I will say one thing. My favorite, um, one of my favorite mechanics in LARPs, it comes from the uh, from the nudipunkt scene. The nudipunkt. Nudipunkt. It's Swedish, I think. Okay. I don't know. Uh, it's got it's got more K's in it than you think it needs. It's a way of simulating sexual intercourse in LARP. Okay. And so what you do um, when you are with someone, um, biblically, <laughs> when you know them, as it were, you hold hands, and if you're and the further up the arm you're holding, the the more towards you are sex. The more the more the more towards you are, say like full intercourse or whatever your character would consider sex. Right. So it it goes from like kissing to heavy petting to you know what, what have you. <laughs> Just grab the shoulders and shake them. That's the thing, because and like you go you go from the fingertips all the way up to the elbows, and it lets you like your you can you can stay at arm's reach with someone. You don't you don't necessarily have to look at them or what have you, but it lets you simulate the act of lovemaking without having to go through that. Because we've got loads of we've got loads of mechanics of simulating the act of murder. Yes. Really good at that. We've got like a whole industry. Really nailed that down tools. there. Yeah. But the whole sort of smooches very difficult to do without actually smooching. Yeah. And so I really like and and, and also because that, that allows you like you can be hesitant. Or like you can be forceful in it, and you can like you can play through all these things, but it's it's done as a as a as a microcosm uh, on your forearm, which I think is very clever. Kind of sweet as well. It is rather. I have a question for you. Ask, ask, and I shall attempt to answer. Sufficient swing from Reddit asks, "What would you say is missing in RPGs these days?" <laughs> I like how you stressed these days. I hate it when people write these days. Well, these like, days... Oh, things were better in the 70s, no, they weren't. No. I mean, I don't think there's anything missing that used to be in RPGs but isn't now. Yeah, but how... Like, let's, let's, not, let's not get into that. Let's, let's, let's go for, like, what, what... like Do we see any gaps in the market, as it were? Well, I mean, looking back at the last question, interpersonal mm. relationships need a lot of work. Not mm. necessarily romantic relationships... But relationships between players um, and, and their bonds and their, I think I think it'd be interesting to see something along the lines of like what one of the heavy hitters like Dungeons and Dragons or World of Darkness or um, Numenera, one of these like one of these big lads, the money gentry, Oh, the money gentry properly tackle relationships and have that as a core fundamental uh, part of the game because like we've had um, like the Smallville RPG. Mm. Um, that's entirely based off relationships, not superpowers. I mean, there's some light superpower stuff, but that's. I mean, that's been knocking around for years, but it never quite got out of that niche RPG state. It didn't get the traction it needed. And I'd be really else because like, I don't want to play a game about Superman. No, nobody does. You Superman's know? rubbish. Or, or honestly, anyone from that. I don't want to play a game about someone else's superheroes. Super, Superman <laughs> you know? is negative fun in a superhero. Yeah, and like, well, like. There's some interesting things to explore. The fact is that he his disguise is a normal person rather than the other way around. There's lots of fun things to do with that. But I'm not interested in playing him or playing a story about him, etc. And I think that I'd love to see a game where we have this broad appeal, but we also have something where we can where we can have these tumultuous, dramatic relationships and mechanics which push those to the fore. Yeah. And also, like, I'm sure these exist. I'm sure these exist they in... in um, I mean, like, they do. And they are niche RPGs which I might have read and forgotten about or never got the traction. But what I'm after is something, like, something with the headroom of D&D 
talking about like, oh, you know what? Um, if your cleric is in love with you, they heal you for more. Yeah, that sort of thing. And like, at which point you've got power gaming polyamorous clerics. But cool, whatever. There's a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you a lot of the as you say niche RPGs are built to mm. drive story, whereas D and D and stuff isn't really built around story. It's built around mechanics. Yes, that's like the thing. Like you use those mechanics to tell a story, but primarily. Um, there's there's an element of making your own fun. Yes, yeah. Like you're provided with a, a basic toolbox mm. rather than prompts. I think I think what else I'd like is um, I'd like John Harper to release this because he, because he's very good. But I'd like um, a tremendously short RPG that I can sit down and it's like, hey, you guys want to play a role playing game? Yeah, sure, fine, whatever. From that to game in like twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah, like, something you can play like, oh god, only two of my players have turned up. Well, let's have a yeah. game. That's the thing, like, I've been tilting at that with my one pages, and like, Honey Heist does that, and Witch's Dead does that, and Goblin Quest does that. But I think I want something that's a bit more, that doesn't have that um, comedy veneer on top. Yeah. I think I'd be after something either generic or, you know, traditional, where I can just sort of make it happen. But also something which feels a bit chewier. Um, part of the issue with something like Honey Heist or something like uh, Lasers and Feelings, which is a big inspiration for Honey Heist, is that there isn't much mechanical complexity to get into. What you want is a board game that's an RPG. Yeah. Essentially, like with that basic with that setup of a board game where you just you know you put all the bits out, you go right, is everybody ready? Let's go. And you've got cards, and you I I I I figure you'd have like you'd have like um, dramatic dramatic happenings cards and power cards, and then you'd have like the fantasy deck. So it'd be like and dragon, I'm here. Yeah. And uh, goblins, I don't think the city and that sort of thing. And so that's all sort of dealt up, and then and then you have a story which you play, and we should write this. We really should actually. We should really get on that. Cut all of this. Tell no one. Well, like, so, like, we were working on a game for a while, and I, also, I kind of like it when we talk about game design in the podcast. I think yeah. that's, that's something which we can, which we can offer, which some other podcasts can't. Um, I I got out of um, uh, the UK Games Expo last year. It's my first time I'd been there. Uh, me, Chris, and Mary. Uh, the whole business went as kind of an outing. To see what it was like. It was a lovely experience, actually. It was much nicer. Than I, I don't really like cons very much, but I really liked it. Yeah. Um, mainly because they had a bar. They did, um, which which just sold different kinds of ale, and Chris and I sat in high backed armchairs <laughs> while I was waiting to run a game. But so much of that, um, so much of the con experience depends on that on being able to demo a game. Yeah, which is why role playing games don't do so well, or why they certainly struggle to do as well, because you have to try and get the entire idea of a role playing game, which can be a year-long weekly experience over to someone in five minutes. And so I was working on a game for a while called uh, When When Last We Met Our Heroes, which is um, kind of a 1930s radio drama. Um, last time on on thrilling adventures, our hero was trapped in, in, in a mine. And then and, and so like maybe that, but less stumbling and shit. Um, <laughs> that but better, yeah. That but that but better, and so you have like these iconic characters in these crazy situations, and the idea is you read out the intro, and that gives you everything you need to know. And what I wanted to do was have some sort of role playing happen, but like you play it out over half an hour, you play it out over ten minutes or whatever, and almost like almost like like a little bit of a fighting fantasy game. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's you a evolve. nice setup. 
Um, and so that, I, I think I think I think that's missing. I, I think that's sort of that that, that very brief. Um, I'm I'm I, I I haven't got any ideas. I haven't got any. I don't have enough players. We don't have anything. We want to tell a complete story with something which feels mechanically viable. Yeah, I think that's what's missing. But then again, that sounds a bit like a magic game, like a game designed by wizards. <laughs> not 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 wizards of the coast. I mean, like no, I was about to say, like you're trying to correct yourself there, and you've just gone deeper into the analogy. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> wizards who lived on the coastline. Beach wizards. I'll ask me a question. I will ask you a question. What RPG would it be most appropriate to start off with the sentence "Hold on to your butts," barring Jurassic Park from Schizoflink? Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. We're playing. X. Um, Diarrhea Crusaders. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said that. I didn't mean. I didn't mean for that to come out of my Poopsa- mouth. Poopsaders. No, it's worse. Oh. Loose butts. <laughs> no. Okay. Let's let's assume that shitting yourself isn't the issue, but the fact that your trousers are going to come. Off. Why, why would you hold on to your butt? Hang on. <laughs> hold on to your butts. I'm trying to think of any situation where me holding onto my butt makes me safer. Um, your butt is trying to escape, and you've got to grip it to keep it on your torso. So it's a, it's a. We're going to use the wraith uh, rules, a variant of the wraith rules. We're also going to make, we're going to we're going to shuffle some rules in there from better angels, and the character on your the character on your left is going to play your butt. Okay, and it wants to leave. <laughs> just once away. I'm done with this it. world. You have to stop it. Too and long so, have you ruled over me in tyranny. I'm sure I think, like, because the butt doesn't have a great deal of that thing. Like, it can't move. It can tense, I guess. It could probably move around a little bit. Like, it could tense one side of it and then the other and move like a horrendous caterpillar. Yeah, it, it, it can clench walk. It, but then nothing else is happening. It can't interact with my. I, I, like, I assume like, they, they can bounce, yeah? Yeah, and fly, probably. Hmm. Depends how strong they are. Yeah, <laughs> they can fly like the Hulk can fly. They jump a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know, man. I can't. I, I never. Oh. Hang on. Well, whatever it is, it sounds broken. I don't know what it is, mate. <coughs> some, some, a bag of things that my wife ordered. Fine. But like, what's, uh, what's the most exciting game you can think of? Um, a game of Wushu, which entirely takes place on two Zeppelins crashing into each other. That is pretty exciting. Actually, hold um, on to your butts for playing Wushu is fitting. Yeah. Yeah, I think Wish is probably the most exciting role-playing game to get into, and like I, did, like, I don't mean from like a like like a, like an exciting dramatic point of view because it doesn't generate those deep relationships and the sort of ooh like that really exciting bit when 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 something exciting happens, you know. But it does do daft gunfights. Yeah. Um, and so hang on, like hold on to your butts is good for that. And also, it's, a follow-up it's, question. It's, they're, they're, oh, no. and it does have an element of brace yourself as well because. 
Wushu is exhausting. Yeah, you can play it for about two hours at a time. Yeah, and then you're just spent. <laughs> and like, you shouldn't play it more than once a week. <laughs> it's like it's like um, it's like it's like cocaine. <laughs> it's a sometimes treat. It's a sometimes treat, but like it's really intense and really like like in games where you'll spend ages trying to do the thing. It's like, no, nah, you do the thing. Just say you do it. It's fine, man. Go for it. You'll be right. Like, and it's it's a uh, to to sort of skew back to the idea of improv. One of the rules of improv is don't talk about it, do it. And most of role playing, if you look at rule books, is talking about it. Yeah, it's a conversation, and it pushes you into this. It pushes you into this big um, high action space. And I think, like, I mean, p- part of the part of the issue with Wushu is the principle of narrative truth, which is the first principle of Wushu is, is if you say it happens, it happens, unless another player says they don't want it to happen. Yep. Um, and the idea is be cool, like be cool about it. Yeah, don't be a dick about it. And it means that players, if they're not quite on the same page as everyone else, they can feel really unsure. Yeah, about it, and so and, and, that, and so they get like they get quite un- they get quite uncertain, and so they play it safe. And it's like you can't play it wrong. Well, you can play it wrong. We had that guy kill a child. Yeah, don't do that. Remember? Yeah, I mean that in that lighthearted game, you just stomped a kid to death. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Didn't didn't need to happen at all. No, no, it, it wasn't like it was even like, uh, yeah. Anyway, there's a follow up question. There is a follow up question from Dave Chan. What RPG would it would it be most appropriate to start off with the sentence "Hold on to my butt," barring Jurassic Park? <laughs> but yeah, I can't have Jurassic Park there because Jurassic Park romance. <laughs> Actually, sorry. Can I can I get another read on "Hold on to my butt," please? You can, please do. Hold on to my butt. Barring Jurassic Park. <laughs> but not not exciting, but oh, please hold on to my butt. Is such that's such an adorable romance. <laughs> Put your mouth on mine. <laughs> <laughs> Open and close it a bit. I like that. I thought you were gonna say put your mouth on my butt. Put your mouth ma- oh. I don't know, man. Have you been have you, have you been have you been listening to people on Twitter again? No. About it's about this eating ass. Is that on Twitter at the moment? Oh, it's, that's what they're all about: eating ass and you know Tumblr. Ugh. Ugh. Know, ugh. Like, I mean, eat, you know what? Eat, eat whatever you want to. Hold on to whatever butts you want to in the in the in the, in the privacy of your own home. That's fine. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Just don't do it on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I've got a question for you. Ask. Badged Zuka asks from Reddit. How do you build your own homebrew setting? Setting creation is difficult. Yeah, and I guess we're not doing homebrew because we're publishing it. Yeah, but like, but, I guess you yeah. can count it as homebrew. Yeah, because I live here and this is where I made it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Setting creation is difficult, and I think that part of the issue we found is, I mean, that like we've got a, an alternate podcast we run where we just do setting creation. But part of the issue I found is that you can... You can run up against the walls of it fairly quickly, mm. um, like generally because I, I like to have big brash role playing with simple ideas and bold concepts, which we can get across. Seeing none of us are none of us are professional actors, and we have we have about ten minutes to keep people interested. And I I have that same idea with uh, world building, the whole sort of um, skip to the end, you know. What's the cool Just part? The, like, give what's me the cool the, part? Give, give me the necessary info, and let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go explore. Let's 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 go fuck this sky whale. You know, yeah. 
And Skywell I... needs the dick. <laughs> That's the same. That's the one. Horny Skywells. Um, the challenge I found out is we've got horny Skywells, but like, what else is there? And then once once you've explored that. Once you've explored the innards of its <laughs> once you've explored that particular facet of the world, what else is there? And you, you can like the world can feel quite hollow yep. and flat, um, and like that's kind of okay. It depends on the length of your campaign and what sort of things you're going for and how much you want to um, explore, and also like how much of this, how much of the setting you let players assume or you fall back on tropes for. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a balance between coherency and questions. Go on. So you need a world to feel coherent. You need it to mm-hmm. feel like one part logically <laughs> follows from another. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your world just is just a collection of ideas that don't make any sense. And it's hard to mm-hmm. actually operate in. And it's mm-hmm. hard to follow the internal logic. Yeah. Um, but you also need to leave questions so that there's something for the players to answer. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you just sort of put in there's a haunted cathedral over here mm. and don't bother don't bother detailing the, the haunted cathedral no but just mention something like that I also I, I quite like doing things like just mentioning the name of an organisation and one of their members and then leaving leaving that up to the players yeah I think, and like um, like with Spire which is coming out god it's coming out so fucking soon oh god as soon, just as soon as the layout I'm finished. so excited for it with that, we've we've gone a bit more in depth, and like we've we've detailed, um, we've we've put more detail around it. And initially, what what we what what I wanted to do was have um, four levels of detail in every in every part of Spire, which was like an overview, a district breakdown, a um, location breakdown, and then an NPC breakdown within those. And so the idea was the GM could dive as deep as they want, but it was very hard to write and read. It was, there was so much detail; it was just, yeah. it was claggy. Yeah, it was. It wasn't fun. It didn't flow. You couldn't lose yourself in the world. It felt like you were trying to remember too many things. Yeah, um, and there was no room for interpretation. No, like, it, it, felt, it, it felt like that was the be all and end all. Yeah, if, if, it felt like if you deviated <clears throat> from the book, then that was a negative thing, which is no fun. We when, when like world building is it's difficult because you like you often end up falling into the trap of simply describing. A fantastical world with no narrative. Uh, yeah, you want, for sure. like, and like, it, there's there's taxonomy um, without having to be accurate. So you can just so it's a taxonomy which you in, which you yourself invent, mm. and that's very boring to read. Yeah, well, um, I think what you need to do is you need to start with what kind of stories you want to tell in the world. Yeah, for sure. Rather it's, it's, than it's the world, the same as yeah, it's exactly the same as um, like writing a game system. Rather than having um, uh, what mechanics am I interested in? It's well, what sort of stories am I interested in? What sort of play experiences do I want? And then how can those mechanics inform that? And like, I mean, sometimes that differs. And like, I've written games where the mechanic I want was throwing dice at each other, and then I've sort of cobbled a game around that. But the idea of having the play experience first, because it's about that. That's what's that, that that that's the fundamental end product of an RPG is the play experience, yeah. and then how you can make decisions um, which inform that from the setting is really really a useful thing to do because it means you stop like if you want a game that's about history and about exploring secrets then you can write those secrets and there you can write that history, but most games have to be about what's happening next, yeah, yeah, and you, not what happened previously. 
you quite often don't need the level of detail you think you do. I think we've overwritten Spire. Yeah. Like I, I think it's, it's that's the thing. Like there's there's two different different uh, schools of this, and there's one where like you you can have a nice world which is nicely written and, and evocative, which you can settle into and get a feel for it, and then speak the language as it were. And there's the other one where you look more at things like uh, Ghost Echo, uh, John Harper's uh, two page game, uh, or Leggy Blackbird again, again by John Harper. Just uh, you know, hallowed be his name. There is a it's, it's very scant, and so much of it is inferred. And that leaves it up to the GM and the players. And both of those are good. Yeah, they're both completely viable options. Mm. In fact, just different parts of the Unknown Armies book. <laughs> yes. Um, and the thing that I much prefer Unknown Armies when it's vague. I love Unknown Armies when it's vague. And when they start getting into like all the like the, the personalities in Unknown Armies and the people... I don't care about the personalities. I'll make those up as I go along, then. Yeah, it's it's like it's like at that point it feels a bit like um, meeting someone's meeting someone's uh, player character. Yeah, Um, which I think like I think that's been that's been a deliberate effort on my on on my part certainly inspired to remove the number of NPCs who were super cool or super influential. Yeah, and if they are super cool or super influential, they're not detailed. No, they're not like this is their stat block. This is what this they'll is what do on done. a Monday. Is their daughter's name? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, it's just this person is a council member. They're very high up in in the thing, just yeah. so that they're named. Every single thing you do with 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 a setting where you're building, and this isn't funny, so we should move on. But every single thing you do with a setting has to make games happen. Yeah, you're not writing a novel. You're not writing an art book. You're not writing an encyclopedia. Or like you're not even doing a um, like a, so like a Mass Effect or Dragon Age law bible. You're not doing that. What you're doing is having a conversation with your friends. Yeah. And you need to think of that. And now you're going to ask me a question. I am. Give us a fun one. Uh, actually, in which case, I'm going to ask you Guybrush's question. Mm-hmm. What drinks would you pair with various role-playing games? Hmm. For example, D&D is a cheap beer. Call of Cthulhu a G&T. Trashkin, the weird collection of old novelty liqueurs from Europe you found in your aunt's place. What about Goblin Quest? Uh, Goblin Quest is Fanta that you leave behind the radiator. Oh, so it's got, <laughs> all, it's got all the bubbles out. Yeah, it, it, and it smells fermented. <laughs> I think I, I think of this like I, I think we should name RPGs and have the other person assign a drink to them. Okay, then Shadowrun. The first thing that came to mind was crack and rum. With a battery in it. <laughs> there you go, chumbo. Strap on your hover boots and fly, crowd snatcher. <laughs> um, Shadowrun. Um, probably be it'd be a Kirin, I imagine, because it'd be it'd be Kirin Ichiban, yep. Japanese lager. Because Shadowrun was written in a time when the future was supposed to be Japanese. Makes sense. And plus, Kirin is the best. He is Ichiban, mm. a hunter, the vigil. Hunter the Vigil. Uh, that would be whiskey that's been left in a hip flask for too long. It's got a little bit metallic. And to counterpoint, Hunter the Reckoning. That's going to be something like. Well, that's going to be uh, um, Fireball. Yeah, cinnamon. yeah. Fireball liqueur. Are you just judging from the cover, which was a picture of fire? No. Okay, I actually right. don't remember the cover of the book. It was a, it was a, it was a picture of fire and spent shell casings. Just to really <laughs> underline how um, what a game that was. Bit of a different from the uh, from the newest cover. Yes. So we've had Call of Cthulhu as, as gin and tonic. What about Trail of Cthulhu? Oh, a martini. Oh, martini. Very it's like slick. A gin and tonic. It's like a gin and tonic, but better. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting. 
Sorry, it's like a gin and tonic, but I like it and would have one. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Do you not like gin and tonic? <sighs> like it's well, but it's it's fine if you've got like middle of the road gin. Yeah. But I think I'd rather have straight gin that tasted nice. No, that's fair. Uh, paranoia. A sort of concoction made of all the leavings from a bar. Oh, like like a dirty pint. Yeah. Mm. It's just. You're not quite sure if you should drink it. You're not quite sure if it's lethal. Can we talk briefly about drinking games? We can. Just to fuck this question to one side for a bit. Fuck it. Fuck, fuck it over. I love drinking games. I, 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 I do also want to say that like, there is a... Um, I, I, I drink a fair amount. I don't think I have a problematic relationship with alcohol, but I certainly have a relationship with alcohol. And there's a slight... I always get slightly uncomfortable when I find someone who drinks more than I do. Because <laughs> I think, disconcerting. Like, yeah, it's like it's like it's or like or like at the same speed. And then there is a there is a a, a hideous feedback loop which I which, which will happen to me if I and someone else who can drink sit next to each other. We just sort of spiral. Yeah. Um, which well, is I've, fun I've been in and part of, it, of those spirals. Yeah, which is it's just fun in and of itself until the next morning. Um, but drinking games, there's something wonderfully exciting about them because they're very communal. Yeah, and it's like we're gonna play a game, and the game is dr- the aim of the game is drinking, which we all want to do anyway. And I think that's like there's something fundamentally weird about drinking games because we all want to drink. We're all here to drink. Yeah, like most drinking games actively stop you drinking as much in some mm. cases. And it's like I don't know. Like I think. I view a lot of drinking games as, like, there's the idea that they're punishments. Okay. In that you do the thing, and the forfeit is... You don't do the thing, the forfeit is you have to drink. Yeah. And that's like, well, I mean, I bought this. I want to drink this. Yeah, so I'll just, I'll just, I'll just fail. Thanks. Which means that either you're just drinking anyway and you're playing for the fun of it, and we'll get on to that in a bit, or you're entering this really difficult relationship with the other players where it's like, no, you have to drink, I told you to. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, I'd rather everyone drank at their own speed and had a fun time. And I guess that's that's because, like, I'm not 15 anymore. <laughs> yes, that, that ship has sailed. But I wrote a game when I was 15 called Dicey Dicey Drinky Drinky. Hallowed be its name. Hallowed be its name. Uh, I, think, I think the last time I played it was about four years ago. So I definitely played it through into my 20s. And it's a 2d6 table that you roll on. Um, and the most common result is you drink. Yep, but it's it's fairly fun. Like, there's no scoring system. Like, you stop playing it when you get bored, which it, which I think needs maybe testing out. I mean, <laughs> maybe need to put like a mechanic in there for winning or losing or stopping. Yeah. Um. But honestly, like, my favorite drinking games are ones which require um everyone to be present and listening and happy and excited. But like, you can still have those little side conversations. Mm. Um, and Dice to Dice to Drinky Drinky is a series of basically mini games that you play with each other. Uh, the other one which I really like is the name game, uh, where you say a name and then the, and the next person has to uh, say a name which begins with the first letter of the of the person's surname. Yeah, and then there's variations on that where which test trivia as well, which yes. I find interesting. Like you've got to name a computer game that starts yes. with a letter. Yeah, because and then like, you reduce that... the pools and test knowledge. And that's kind of like, especially for people who are quite socially awkward. Like, I, I tend to find it quite difficult to to talk to people 
believe it or not. And so, uh, I say believe it or not, literally every single social situation I have been in for the last five years is a game that I am running. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're a sociopath. Well, I'm not a sociopath. I just get a bit nervous about people. So I, I like having a situation I can control. Yeah. But I will say there's something very exciting about drinking games. I'm interested in trying to explore that sort of communal because you're not playing them to drink. You're not playing them to win. It's not like 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 beer pong. You play to win, and that's more of a skill game. It's like playing darts. I'm just interested in that sort of communal everyone get together. It's not storytelling. It's not. Um, it's, it's definitely not, like, not storytelling, but it's an interesting. It's not, it's not area. a role playing game, but it's like it's a it's almost it's a bit like doing a crossword together. Yeah, like crosswords you know? together can actually be fun. Because because there's a little bit of a challenge there, but it's like it's like oh well you you know what the the two of us are going to be together. It's it's it's, it's accepted we enjoy each other's presence. Mm. Let's just have a little mechanic to keep things ticking. But both of the games that I've, I've named there don't have an end, and that's another interesting thing about drinking games is they don't they don't stop. They just sort of peter out. Yeah, like anyway. normally when you when you have too few people to play, mm, as they've yeah, gone, no, when, I'm done. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you just get down to the hardcore. Yeah, I, yeah. I think also. Um, I think this wasn't quite as much fun as I hoped it would be. This aside, <laughs> it was interesting. It was interesting, certainly. Um, I've, I've also actually one thing. Um, since the start of this episode, I've I felt a bit special because we introduced all those guests. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I wanted to make it a bit fancier than normal. Oh, they are. They are watching. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. I got a question for you. Ask me a question. Odinfist. Odinfist. Thank you. From Reddit says, going beyond D&D. Now this is, this is a pretty common question to come up in role-playing games. F- situations. Which is, everyone knows Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's the bellwether. It's the touchstone. It's the core idea of what role-playing games are for a lot of people. And even if people haven't played it, they know what it is. And what that leads to is a lot of people play D&D and they think that's what role-playing games are. Yeah. And I don't want to badmouth d and I love d and I think it's great. Um, I've played mm, three, four, four of the seven editions. However many bloody editions there are. I don't know, <laughs> Too six editions. many. Yeah, I, I, I like they certainly, they all, they all bring different things to the table. They're fun. They let you do the thing. I run a weekly game of it. You know, it's good. But there is more, and I'm interested in, in, in like in like if we could come up with an idea of what's the next thing. Assuming people play D and D, they're like, "Oh, well, I want to try something else." What's the next steps? So, group? you've got there's two books <laughs> that are logical evolutions of D and D, which is Thirteenth Age and Shadow of the Demon Lord. Hmm. Yes, going in two different directions. Going in two different directions, but still logical steps. Yeah, um, it's kind of so fun. they're the same sort of setup. Mm. One uh, uh, adding in more story game concepts, the Thirteenth yeah. Age, and the other changing the game to be a bit darker, and to show you that you don't need that standard setting. Yeah, so I suppose it's like so you've enjoyed D and D. Now either you can be the most important elf in the world, or you can die in a basement. Yeah, those are your two options. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that that that's logical steps. Yes, and like Thirteenth Age is a cracking book. It's also significantly cheaper to pick up than D and D because it isn't three books. Yeah, um, it does a lot of like it, it drops surprises. On, it drops surprises on the GM for things to run. It drops. It gives the players narrative control here and there. 
uh, and also ensures that they have something exciting and unique about them. Or you can you can demake the game and go down to the Rad Hack. Yeah, the Black Hack. Black Hack, uh, Rad, Rad Hack. Um, yeah, and, and, and so like, if you want something basic. But I think, honestly... I think if if it's the next thing after D and D, like you're probably getting enough off D and D without going into like more old school OSR stuff. Like yeah. I think I think Shadow of the Demon Lord would give you slightly more flexibility in telling those stories. Um, but I'd be interested to see like to ask them what it is they like. Yes, yeah. I mean that's that's key, isn't it? Like if it is if it is the the nihilistic stuff, then cool. Here's Call of Cthulhu. Yes. Um, it's like, is it? Do you like playing wizards? Do you like playing? Like, do you like the bits where you talk to people? Do you like the bits where 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 you come back to town, or do you like the bits where you're going out and exploring? Um, what part of like what sort of D and D is? It's kind of interesting because like there's there's some you can look at it sort of as a training wheels RPG, not because it's simple or because it's for babies or whatever, but because everything is represented. There's very little abstraction. Mm. In Dungeons and Dragons, it's very granular, and it's not. And also, it's not. It's not a granularity that can be opted into or out of, like GURPS, for example. There are very few optional rules in D anD. D. Yeah. The idea is that you play that, and if you have got optional rules, it's because they do something differently rather than do something more complex. And so, once you've got everything represented, like, I think, I think the next thing you play after D anD. D should be Fiasco. Okay, just complete paradigm shift. Just, just completely go off to one side. Because um, that once people are used to the idea of role playing and putting forward offers and accepting things and talking as a character, um, being able to say, "Right, okay, you've seen me, GM. You all get to do this now," and we're all going and, and like and fundamentally, if if we fuck it up, we ruin we 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 didn't ruin, but we didn't have a great evening. It's not like we didn't have a great year. Yeah, there's very little on the line with the fiasco game if it goes wrong, and I've had fiasco games go wrong, and I've had them go right. And like, um, the, it's a GMless RPG which very heavily relies on your group all getting on the same page fairly quickly and making interesting situations for one another. Which hopefully they'll do if they've already you know played D and D together for a while. Yeah, and if 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 if, if they're bonded, they've got into, and if they don't like fiasco, cool, you gave it a shot, you tried, and like, if, if, and also like the other thing is, is if if you get one player who's like, oh, I don't know about this fiasco, Mark, it won't work. Yeah. Everyone's going to be right into it. I, I suppose, like the, the other thing I'd recommend would be something like Fate, um, for just being completely narrative. But honestly, I would recommend Fiasco. I'd recommend um, uh, like other Jason Morningstar games, so like something something like the the Shrabal Hiri Roach. <laughs> if you like putting stuff in your mouth. Well, yeah, it, it comes with a little cockroach, which you should not put in your mouth. That's literally what it's for. Well, no, it's just there to show who has the roach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it, it, it's a game. It's, it's a game that takes place in a fancy pants American university um, in the twenties, and you are you are seeking to get tenure. And t- to do this, you might accept an ancient Babylonian roach god into your brain because that's just how you roll. That's just how you roll. But all of these games are fairly um, honestly, honestly, maybe something like Apocalypse World, something where the GM is not creating a whole world which you explore. Something which the which the players are, are are allowed and entitled to come up with stuff where where it's more on the fly and you and you, you say okay we're going to play five sessions this we're going to play three sessions we're going to play one session whatever we're just going to try something different and I think that is going to bring us to the end of this our fiftieth fiftieth episode the fiftieth episode yet oh it's the most fifty yeah and probably the most ever yeah so that's something, to, that's something to be sad about as well. Weep, weep for the 50. 
thank you so much for listening. Thank you all. Uh, thank, thank you to the audience coming out. I can see there we've also got Elminster from Forgotten Realms. Oh, self-insert uh, there. Yeah, and the guy who wrote Fatal, who uh, I, will oh. ask is, I will ask is removed. Yes. Although, actually, keep him in. I want a word. Okay, yeah. Actually, just do, like remove him to the green room. Yeah. Or the bins. Yeah. <laughs> Round back. <laughs> Where Chris goes to have words with people. <laughs> yeah. The bins, or Chris's house, as I'm we call it. Shut them. his head in a bit. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. We've had a lovely time recording. Um, we uh, I quite, I, I quite like, I quite like chatting to all those guests. Maybe we can have some more special guests on the show in future. Maybe, maybe. I, I'd like, I'd be interested to see who else, who else we could meet. So many people. Maybe I could interview some celebrities. You thought of that, Chris? Maybe, maybe if I could do some voices, you could. I don't know what you mean. What? We interviewed those celebrities. Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. If you've enjoyed this, you can go to patreon.com forward slash friends. Give us some cash. Odds are, if you're listening to this, you already do. Um, but if you if you don't, please consider coming and chipping in one dollar. Just, just one dollar an episode. It means a great deal to us. We're always really happy to get donations, and it means we can keep doing this, which is super cool. Um, also, if you want to give us a review on iTunes, that might be nice. Because it's really easy to do to do reviews on iPhones now with a new podcast app. So just just drop us a honestly drop us a five star review. Don't don't give us a four star. If it's five stars or nothing. <laughs> so if you don't think this is a five star podcast, cool. Don't tell anyone. If you do think this is a five star podcast, tell everyone. And but gen- like um, go on. And genuinely, thank you for supporting us for this long. Yeah, cheers. It's been a year. Um, I don't think we really could have justified doing it without the, without the financial support of our patrons. It's been really lovely. Uh, and also to see it grow and to see the community grow around it as well. Met a lot of lovely which, people. Yeah. It's like, I've kind of got a reason to go to cons now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can go and hang out with the listeners. And it's it's really lo- like we've made friends. It's really Good. nice. Also, if you, um, if you just want to tell a friend about the podcast, um, you can do that. Please don't give them this one. It's going to be very confusing. Yeah, start with um, like five. Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some good ones early on. They can start off there, you know, and then sort of pick their way around. Um, if you want to send us a question, you can get in touch on HDF Podcast on Twitter and follow us there. Uh, or you can also send us an email to heartydicefriends at gmail dot com. That is everything. We love you so much. We've um, hey hey, come up here. Just going to lead you down the corridor. Uh, don't, I'll just, I'm sorry, Sean Connery and um, whoever he was dating, Guy, Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. They're, uh, they're making out super hard in the corner. Oh, yes, Guy. Oh, gosh, fantastic. Um, so it's, 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 it's going to go past them. Uh, and up here, we can see I've got you a special box. A, a royal box to sit in just for you to uh, to watch. The, uh, you know what? I probably should have done this at the start of the episode. Show's over, mate. Well, okay, a special box which we can't. Oh, hang on, no, show's over. They've already seen the show, but it can't appear in the special box where we've got a nice thermos of half decent coffee and a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And we're going to have a nice little hangout and maybe some light kissing if that's what they fancy, or not if they don't. Was <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that good? <laughs> Chris and I are going to do a bit of kissing. I, I'm going to kiss Chris, probably on top of his head, until he moves away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. Um, we love you very much. Thank you for coming and listening, and we hope to we hope to have even more guests for episode 100. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.